Listening to the Bellator Christie podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. started this morning, have a couple more things to mention. First and foremost, I want to recognize that Peggy Stillman's back with us today, so it's an honor to have her with us again. She's doing well, looking good as always. And so also, uh, one, a couple other things we'll let you know about. Uh, the girls will be handing out, uh, I think, markers for Mother's Day, so be sure to go see uh, uh, one of the girls up, up here as you uh, leave the uh, premises, at least the sanctuary today, and be sure to pick up your marker. Also, I was also uh, asked to announce that the cutoff date uh, for the Lanier fundraiser we have, we need to get uh, the money in and the tickets around May 30th, uh, right around that time. So uh, that'll be the cutoff date. We'll have more on that as we move along. So uh, first of all, we're going to ask, if you will, turn your copy of God's Word uh, into uh, the book of Acts chapter 15. We're going to read verses 36 through 41 this morning. Uh, one of the greatest Mother's Day gifts I think that we could ever give our mothers is to find peace and harmony. Amen? Uh, it's, it's never fun when there's a lot of turmoil and discord going on, so I think one of the greatest gifts we could give our mothers is uh, to, to uh, be able to reconcile differences as, as, it is a, as we're able. Uh, we last week started this mini-series called Bringing God Glorification Through Saintly Unification. And I read uh, uh, Scott McKnight, he wrote this. He said, God is most glorified when the church is unified. And I think we can give a big old amen to that. Amen? God is most glorified when we as His people are unified. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've spoken to people, and don't get me wrong, I'm Southern Baptist, but I don't believe there's going to be a Southern Baptist wing to heaven. Amen? I believe we're all going to the same heaven uh, we all serve the same God, saved by the same Christ, filled with the same Spirit. Uh, the, the plan of salvation is true for all of us, so there aren't going to be these different sections in heaven. We're all going to be there together. And so we need, as believers, to be able to be unified. And I believe as uh, time is growing more and more hostile towards our faith, it is even more important that we, as believers, learn to know how to get along with one another to focus, to make the main things the main things, and just and not concern ourselves so much about the, the differences that may be. However, let me just say that disagreements are going to come along. And it may actually provide us comfort to know that even the apostles didn't always get along. Did you realize that? And so today we're going to learn about uh, something that happened between Paul and Barnabas that took place that has a very happy ending as we take a look at Scripture. So today we're going to ask if you will please stand as we read Acts chapter 15 verses 36 through 41. We're going to dissect this passage this morning and I'm going to throw in some other additional passages of Scripture that's going to show how there's actually a good ending to this story that we'll find. Verse 36 says, 
Then after some days, now going back to the first, first part of Acts chapter 15, we see that there was the Jerusalem council, and the church had to make a decision about this issue of circumcision. Uh, were they going to require circumcision to Gentile individuals who come to faith? So they resolved this saying, it's by grace through faith that we're saved, it's by the grace of God, and Jesus plus nothing. And they said, then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. Now if you go back to Acts 13.13, 13, you see that John Mark left the missionary journey. Okay, something happened here. We're going to discuss this a little more. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one uh, who had departed from them in uh, Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Your kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we know that disputes will come. We know that disagreements will happen. But we are so thankful that through your Holy Spirit that we can find reconciliation. We can find peace and harmony because of the work that you've done for us and the Spirit that, that helps bring love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control, and all the fruit of the Spirit. And so, Lord, today we just simply ask, Lord, that you would allow me to speak the words that need to be spoken, hold back any words that don't need to be spoken, and in and through it all, Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear, and our hearts that will apply these truths and be better for it. For it's in the name of Jesus we ask all these things. Amen and amen. You may be seated. For, the, for those who may have been Catholic at one point, forgive me, this, this joke is going to... So no offense taken here, all right? But there is a story about this guy named Muldoon. You know, differences are going to come. Uh, there's this guy named Muldoon, and he lived in the Irish countryside. And uh, so uh, he had this dog, that he really loved this dog. This dog was a good companion to him. Uh, but unfortunately, the dog died. And so he goes to, uh, his, uh, goes to the uh, priest, Father Patrick, and says, Father Patrick, me dog is dead. Would you please hold a funeral service for me, dog? I love this dog so much. Father Patrick said, Ah, my lad. He said, uh, we, we cannot do a, a service for the creature. You need to find somewhere else to do the service for you. And so uh, the Muldoon says, Well, what about the Baptist church down the lane? Do you think they might do the service for me? Father Patrick says, Ah, you know, those Baptists, there's no telling what those people believe. Maybe they'll do the service for you, dog. Take it down there. And Muldoon says, well, Father Patrick, I was thinking about paying $5,000 to the church that did the service. Do you think that's enough or do I need to get more? Father Patrick says, ah, oh, my laddie, why didn't you tell me your dog was Catholic? Of course we can do the service for you. <laughs> now, you can change that to be the Baptist pastor. You can change that any direction. But as we see, sometimes we do have differences. Sometimes there are uh, discrepancies. There are issues that, that come in our way. But what we see that through all of this, that there can be reconciliation through the Holy Spirit, as we're going to find, as also happened with uh, Paul and Barnabas and John Mark. So the big question, we, we have several questions in this, te uh, this text that we need to ask. Why did John Mark leave? What was the issue concerning that? And did whatever came of this dispute between Paul and Barnabas, 
Barnabas. Because in the book of Acts, we hear of this dispute and we hear nothing more of it. But it's actually in the letters of Paul that you begin to see the solution that came about. But I just want to simply look at three things today as we look at how we can minister through what seems to be irreconcilable differences. First and foremost, we need to look at the reasons for irreconcilable differences. Why do such differences come about? And that's the big question we see. And we see this in verses 36 through 38. We see two things happening here. First of all, there was the executional difference, how they wanted to go about in ministry. And I dare tell you, beloved, that the majority of problems uh, between churches and the majority of things that causes church splits are over these issues. Very few issues are doctrinal in nature. Most of them have to do with one person who wants to do one thing and another person who wants to do another. Uh, obviously, uh, Paul did not want to take John Mark with them uh, on this missionary journey, and we'll look at that a little bit more in a few moments. Barnabas, however, did. And so you see this problem already happening. Paul wanted to go, go back to the churches that they had visited in the first missionary journey. Barnabas says, yeah, I'm up, up for that, but let's take John Mark. Paul says, no. John, uh, uh, Barnabas says, yes. And so you have this difference that takes place between these two individuals. A lot of times these issues are caused over ways in which we want to minister. I want to tell you something today. We are Southern Baptists. How many of you know that there are independent Baptist churches out there? Did you realize that most, now not all, but the independent Baptist churches in the South were at one time aligned with the Southern Baptist Convention? Did you know that? This dispute goes back all the way to the mid-1800s. In 1850, there was this dispute over what's called landmarkism. I won't bore you with the details on that. If you're interested, I'll tell you after service. But one of the bigger issues, not only was this landmark debate, but also how do you send missionaries out? Okay, those of the Southern Baptist Convention says what we want to do is we don't want the missionaries to have to worry about raising funds. So we as a denomination are going to send them out so that they can be solely focused on the gospel ministry. The independent said, however, no, we think that churches should send out the missionaries. That's the way we should do this. And this debate that started back in the mid-1800s, around 1850, split the Southern Baptist Convention. And that's why even to this day you see Southern Baptists and independents. Now, we could go back through the history of Southern Baptist Convention, and there are several splits that have happened over time. But isn't interesting? isn't interesting how... Something just like how we send missionaries out could split people apart. Now, does this have anything to do with Christ? Did it have anything to do with the infallibility of Scripture? Did it have anything to do with any of that sort of stuff, the triune nature of God? Nothing. It had to do with how we send out missionaries. And there's been this dispute ever since then, ever since that time. You see, the problem is a lot of times we focus more on opinions than we do the truth of God's Word. When we fail to make the main things the main things, then we get divided over these, these peripheral issues that really don't make a hill of beans. Beloved, it don't matter if the church sends out the missionary or the denomination sends out the missionary. Just send someone out there to tell people about Jesus Christ. Amen? And, and who cares how we send them out? If the, if the gospel message is getting out to people, that's the most important thing. Secondly, we see that not only were there executional differences, 
there were emotional differences. Now, Paul was passionate to not take John Mark. Barnabas was passionate to take John Mark. What in the world is going on? As you can often see, that the details are deeper than what we see. Well, if you go back in uh, chapter 13, verse 13, I think you have a clue as to why Paul didn't want John Mark with him. Sergius Paulus came to faith in chapter 13, and he was a Roman proconsul, very, very intellectual man, very powerful man. He was a Roman. He came to faith. But Paul didn't require that Sergius Paulus be circumcised. And it was after that time that John Mark left back to Jerusalem. Now we see through some of the letters in the New Testament that John Mark was very close with Simon Peter and some others, uh, the pillars of the New Testament church. So what I think happened and what the clues seem to suggest is that John Mark went back to Jerusalem telling these guys, do you know what Paul's doing? He's bringing these people in here and he's not requiring them to be circumcised. After that point, you started seeing this debate really intensify over this issue which led to the Jerusalem Council. So I think Paul thought in his mind, John Mark is the reason why we had an issue with this. I don't trust the man and I don't want him with us. Barnabas, however, has a close tie with John Mark because Barnabas, we see in Scripture, is John Mark's cousin. Barnabas probably was of the persuasion, listen Paul, there were some people who were against you initially and I helped you get this ministry going so we need to show grace to John Mark. Paul says, I don't trust the man, he's not coming with me. Barnabas says, well he is coming with me, he's my family. Paul says, I don't care who he is, he's not coming. Barnabas says, well he is coming. And so there's this division that happens that's guided by emotions. And as I mentioned last week, Our heads are designed for thinking and our hearts are designed for feeling. When our hearts do the thinking and our heads do the feeling, we have problems. Amen? We need to think logically, think through issues and not be guided so much by emotions. Because when we do, we're going to make bad decisions. When we do, we're going to go down some bad routes and we're going to be driven more by what we feel than what is actually true. So the point simply here is, let your head do the thinking, let your heart do the feeling. And understand, emotions are important. But sometimes emotions can blind our thinking. Sometimes our emotions can make us think things that just truly aren't real. Amen? I'm sure you've heard the story of this, uh, of this woman who, uh, who was uh, w- waking up a man, it, the man in, her, in the house and says, Honey, you need to go up, you need to get ready to go to church. And he says, I don't want to go to church. She said, You've got to go to church. The guy says, Nobody there likes me. She said, You've got to go to church. He says, they, they hate me over there. She says, Honey, you're the pastor. You've got to go to church. <laughs> Now, was that true that everybody hated him? Obviously not. You see, he was being guided by his emotions rather than his logic. So, as we mentioned last week, there's some some steps we can do. First, define the terms, test the statements, evaluate the arguments. I think, first of all, we need to become aware when our emotions are guiding our thinking and see things as they truly are. Secondly, don't give an immediate response. We'll talk about that here in a few moments. Thirdly, prayerfully consider the other person's point of view. You know what I found? I can be wrong. I see a lot of head shaking. (laughs) I can be wrong. Everybody in here can. Anybody in here, God, that means that none of us can be 100% right on everything. Amen? 
Because we don't have the mind of God. God is the only one who's 100% right on everything. In fact, I probably disagree with myself more than I do anything else. It's a difficult thing being in this brain, let me tell you. I do ping pong matches sometimes, it seems like. It's a difficult thing being in this brain. But I'm going to tell you, beloved, we're never right 100% about everything. So we need to recognize the other person's viewpoint and fourthly come to a logical conclusion. And this leads us to number two, the results of irreconcilable differences. We see two things happening in verse 39. We see divisive results. Paul and Barnabas came at an impasse and they, they came at a place where they were going to have to part ways. And we have to understand that sometimes... To find peace, we need to take some time apart. As the old saying goes, absent makes the heart grow fonder. I'm going to use another illustration. All right, everybody, I'm just go ahead and forgive me. This is not a Christian song, okay? But many of you have probably heard it. How many of you have ever heard Kenny Rogers' song, The Gambler? Wow, that was more of a response than I expected. You know how the chorus goes? You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. Know when to walk away, know when to run. You never count your money when you're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done. Now, I realize that's not a Christian theme right now. I already go ahead and understand that. But the logic of what he's saying is actually true. Know when it's time to hush. (laughs) Amen? Know when it's time to simply walk away and just agree to disagree and just just to let let it rest. Just to let it rest. Being a mature Christian means that we realize that not everybody's going to agree with us on everything. And you know what? That's okay. As long as we focus on the main things, make the main things the main things, and focus on the essentials of what's actually true and what's actually important, that is the most important thing that we can do as believers. In the end, in the end God used both of them to do a tremendous work. And as we're going to see... But the, but the point is we have to understand that sometimes we're not always going to always get along. Focus on the main things and make that the most important thing. Secondly, we see departmental results, that is of ministry. In verses 40 through 41, we see this dynamic duo of Paul and Barnabas going in separate directions. Paul shows up. Paul goes back uh, and he actually covers new territory on this second missionary journey with Silas. And Barnabas and John Mark actually go back to the churches uh, of the first missionary journey. Now some people will, will hear this and they say, well, did God use Barnabas and, and John Mark? And the answer is absolutely he did. Absolutely he did. Uh, we don't hear everything about Paul and, uh, uh, excuse me, Barnabas and John Mark because Luke is focused on the ministry of Paul. But the fact of the matter is that uh, God used both of them to do great things for his, for, his, uh, for his work. The most important thing we have to understand is no matter in life, no matter what it is, we're not going to agree on everything 100%. So a professor I had at Fruitland Baptist Bible College gave me some great advice. The same is true when you read a book. The same is true when you watch a movie or anything else like of that nature. Treat it like eating fish. How do you eat fish? You eat the meat, you spit out the bones. There's something you can learn from about everything, amen? You eat the meat and you spit out the bones. You take what is good and you spit out what is bad. And that's what we can learn from that. Number three, we see the restorations from this irreconcilable difference. And there's a wonderful truth that we find. And that is that Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark were able to reconcile. We don't see this in the book of Acts, but we see it in the letters of Paul. 
We see in 1 Peter 5.13 that uh, Mark was used by God. He was a close associate of Simon Peter. And even history tells us that John Mark went on to write even a book in the Bible, the Gospel of Mark, the second Gospel in the New Testament, was written by the same John Mark who had this dispute with Paul. Isn't it good to know that God can work through our differences and do something great with us? First of all, we see that they were, number one, restored by time. As we mentioned before, time has a, has a way of healing wounds. Sometimes, as the cliche goes, uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder. And we see that there was a period of time between this Jerusalem council in AD 49 to the, to the letters of Paul, about ten years, maybe a little less, about seven to ten years. But during this time, they were able to work through their differences. Time itself allowed them to be able to reconcile. We see something that, uh, that, again, as I mentioned, time has a way of healing wounds. A lot of times what we do, and we mentioned this Wednesday night's Bible study, a lot of times what happens is we get a nasty email where we, someone says something bad to us, and what do we do? We give an immediate response. But Greg Kokel says the best thing to do, especially if it's by email or text or something like that, is to wait 24 hours before you do anything. Wait 24 to 48 hours before you do anything. Pray over it. Look through it. See if there's anything substantial to it. And if there is, maybe you can respond in a winsome fashion, in a kind, generous fashion. But don't do anything till about 24 to 48 hours have passed. Because that gives you time to remove the emotions and to focus on what is important. Number two, we see that uh, they were restored not only by time, but they were restored by a powerful gift that we are given as believers. And that's the power of forgiveness. Forgiveness does not mean that the thing that the person did to you was okay. All forgiveness means is you're giving that person over to God. You say, God, I can't handle this situation. I'm giving this person over to you. I'm releasing this. I can't handle this myself. So I'm giving this person over to you. And that is exactly what Paul did. How do we know? Turn with me to the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians chapter 4 verse 10. The book of Colossians was written when, during Paul's imprisonment around 61 A.D. Paul was imprisoned by the Roman government for preaching and teaching the Word of God. But look what he says in uh, Colossians chapter 4, verse 10. And when you're there, let me hear you say amen. When the rest of you are there, let me hear you say amen. <laughs> if it helps, it's on page 1463 in my Bible. <laughs> Colossians chapter 4, verse 10 says, and, and he's writing this to the church of Colossae. Look who's there. He says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. With who? Who's the next person? Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions. Now listen, he's already telling them, I want, I want you to greet Mark. Look, I, he, you, I'm giving you instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. Apparently, this thing had gotten so hot and heavy that some of the churches says, you know, Paul, if you're not for John Mark, we're not going to accept him either. But look what Paul just said in the book of Colossians. I want you to welcome John Mark. I want you to welcome him to the church. He is here with me. We have reconciled this. We have forgiven one another. Receive him into the church. 
In the book of Philemon, I won't ask you to turn there, verse 24, Paul says much the same way, much the same thing. He says, I want you to receive Mark into your accompaniment. He is here with me. He is helping me. And this is a person that I greatly admire. I have forgiven him. The things of the past are in the past. We have forgiven one another and we've moved on. Isn't it a wonderful thing when you see two people who have had a heavy disagreement to be able to come under the reconciliation of God Almighty and to be able to make peace. You see, it's only through Jesus Christ that we can do something like that. It's only through His power. Now, in in the book of, I think it's Matthew, Jesus says, where two or three are gathered, and in my name I'll be there with them in the midst. Now, a lot of times we make that appear that it's it's acceptable to have small church or small individuals in, in, in church. And while that's true, and while Christ is in our midst even in, in, uh, when two or three are gathered, the main focus of what he's talking about is he's talking about when two or three individuals have had a dispute and they're able to reconcile and come together, Christ is in the midst of that. He is bringing peace, he is bringing harmony, and that's something very powerful that Christ can do. Number one, we see that we can be restored by time. We can also be restored by forgiveness. But thirdly, we can be restored by unity. We see in Colossians, uh, first, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, that Paul actually defends Barnabas, this guy with which he had had this argument. He defends him against the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 9, 6. But I want you to also turn with me to 2 Timothy. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. Not only did they forgive one another... They were united by the power of Christ. He's writing this to Timothy. Timothy is a young preacher. Timothy's experiencing a lot of difficulties in ministry being a young, young preacher. Paul is in prison. This is most likely the very last letter Paul wrote before he was beheaded. The very last letter he ever wrote in his ministry here on earth. And as he gets ready to conclude it, look what he says in verse 11. Only Luke is with me. Luke, the very same Luke who is writing the book of Acts. Only Luke is with me, he says. Look what he, look what he says. Get who? Who was that he wanted them to get? Mark. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. You see, not only had they reconciled and been forgiven by one another, but they had united together in ministry so strongly that Paul says, He is useful to my ministry, and I want you to bring John Mark with you to me here in prison so that we can encourage one another, strengthen one another, and be united in Christ. Beloved, that is the perfect picture of reconciliation. And if Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark can do it, you know what? Anyone can. Amen? Anyone can. If they can be reconciled, anyone can. Let me close with this. A Sunday school teacher was teaching on Sodom and Gomorrah. And she was describing how... You remember the story um, of Lot and Lot's wife? They were instructed to leave the area and not look back. If you look back, uh, you're going to turn into a pillar of salt. Lot and the family was moving on. Lot, um, Lot's wife turned back and what happened to her? You remember? Turned to a pillar of salt. Turned to a pillar of salt. Well, this little boy named Bobby in, in Sunday school classes, um, teacher, my mom's a lot like Lot's wife. 
She said, do what? She said, my mom is a lot like Lot's wife. She said, honey, you got a, you got a wonderful mother. She's not like Lot's wife. She says, but she is. She said, well, how is she like Lot's wife? She says, because one day she was driving down the road and I was doing something and she looked back at me and mommy turned into a telephone pole. <laughs> Maybe not a good thing there. But the, the point is, is that Lot's wife and this mother that was described turning into a telephone pole shows us a very important truth. As long as we keep looking back at the past and we keep looking back at the disappointments and the failures and the, and the problems, disaster will come our way. But if we keep our eyes towards Jesus... Be focused upon the grace and mercy that He's given us and be willing to forgive one another and be united in Christ. We're going to see nothing but good things. Amen? The sky is the limit as to what God can do with us when we are quick to forgive, we are slow to anger, and we keep our eyes focused upon Jesus Christ because God receives the most glory in a church, or God is most glorified in a church that is unified. And may we all be, on this Mother's Day, united, unified in the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ so that He can receive the most glory through each and every one of us. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you today to come down before, before it's eternally too late. You may not have another opportunity to make things right with Christ. So I would encourage you to come down and receive Him today. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're struggling with some issues. Maybe you have a person you need to, uh, to reconcile with. We want to ask you to come down. Maybe you want to pray for that person, whatever the case may be. We just ask you to do according to the Holy Spirit's will. Maybe you want to come and join the ministry here at Huntsville Baptist Church. We just ask you to respond to the Holy Spirit as He guides you at this time. Kind of gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the unity that can be found in and through your word. We thank you for the unity that can be found through the grace and mercy of you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your compassion. We thank you for the grace bestow upon us each other. Forgive us of where we fail. And Lord, we just ask that you have your will and your way in this time of views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of bellatorchristi.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christi podcast is a production of bellatorchristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Kayla Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit bellatorchristi.com and subscribe so that you can receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. Catch us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless, and we'll see you the next time as we enter into the arena of ideas.
Who is God? What is He like? How can we know? The answers you give to these questions will have a tremendous impact on your worship, discipleship, apologetics, and evangelism. Faulty ideas about God are permeating both the church and the culture. It's time to get back to the basics of understanding the existence and nature of the God who is. Marking the 25th year of this annual event, Southern Evangelical Seminary's National Conference on Christian Apologetics returns to Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, with an all-star lineup of some of the finest Christian minds in the world to explore this incredibly important topic. Join us October 12th through 13th, 2018 at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Among the 65 speakers at the event include Ravi Zacharias of RZIM, Josh McDowell of Josh McDowell Ministries, Chip Ingram of Living on the Edge, Gary Habermas of Liberty University, Natasha Crane, Richard Land, and many, many more. Ticket prices before August 1st are $75 for adults, $45 for students. After August 1st, the tickets go up to $85 for adults and $55 for regular price. Save an extra 5% per ticket when you register by May 1st. Group, homeschool, Christian school, and skeptic discounts are available. Call for details by dialing 1-800-77-TRUTH, extension 201. Once again, that's 1-800-77-TRUTH, extension 201. Or go to conference.ses.edu. The 25th anniversary of the National Conference on Christian Apologetics will be October 12th and 13th at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Hope to see you there. Some say the best Bible translation is the one that's most literal, word for word, through and through. But there's not always a direct English translation of ancient words. So others say the best Bible translation should favor readability, thought for thought, holding on to the same meaning. But we can all agree that the very best Bible translation is one you trust and one that you want to read, one that stirs your heart and moves you to share its truth. The Christian Standard Bible has been shown to be an optimal blend of accuracy and readability compared to other leading translations. The very best balance, faithfulness to the original text, and clear language that connects to the heart. After all, it's not so much about changing your Bible translation, but about seeing the Bible change your life. Point your heart to true north. The Christian Standard Bible. The Christian Standard Bible is the official translation of BellatorChristi.com. Go pick up your translation of the CSB today. You're going to change this world for Christ. Don't look around and wonder who it is. Say, God, make it me. Make it me. 
because we're training champions. That's a part of the vision. Write the vision, make it plain. We're training champions to change the world. That vision of training champions for Christ to change the world is the foundation of Liberty University. It always has been, and it always will be. Everything we are today is built upon it. But while our vision hasn't changed since 1971, the world around us has. Fewer and fewer people understand what we mean when we say train champions for Christ. So we show them. We show them what authentic faith in Christ looks like through the lens of academics, athletics, through the way we have fun and the way we serve one another and the world. We show them that we the faithful, the bold, the united, and the brave are also we the creators, the innovators, the entrepreneurs, and the leaders. We the champions are committed to tackling the issues of our time with integrity and prayer. Our vision hasn't changed. It has strengthened, broadened, expanded. It has grown into over 550 programs of study, reaching into over 80 countries, uniting over 100,000 students into a beautifully diverse family with a singular vision. We the champions, in order to affirm our tradition of unwavering faith, ignite a passion for wisdom, challenge perspectives, inspire creativity, and pursue knowledge. Do resolve to be the voice for the voiceless, bring healing to the hurting, fight for the oppressed, defend freedom, defy stereotypes, and follow God's calling wherever it may be. Find out more about Liberty University by visiting liberty.edu.